Would you join me in prayer? Dear Holy God, we come before you today in awe, in fear, in confusion, in turmoil. We don't understand the violence that we have witnessed and we have seen over and over again. And we question and we are concerned about the future. Be with us, O oh God. Show us your presence, grant us your wisdom, your mercy, and your compassion that we may be able to know you in all that we do, that you are with us every step of the way, that we are never alone. In your name we pray. Amen. Why do we come to church? Why did we enter this space this morning? The answer is likely different for everybody, but today I bet it includes making some sense of the tragic events that took nine lives in Charleston, South Carolina on Wednesday. As the nation is still reeling, we gather today to lift our voices, to stand together in solidarity with Mother Emanuel, American Methodist Episcopal Church. I know that I came today needing to feel God's presence in my life, guiding me through this storm. I understand church to be a place of community in which we can bear our souls together during times, good times, and especially when we are hurting. I find it to be a place to come together in the face of tragedy, to not be alone, to address our concerns, and in doing so, to recommit ourselves to the work of doing better in this world. I think we often come to not lose faith. Because events like this can challenge our faith, especially when they remove physical safety from our sacred spaces. And that's what I understand this scripture passage to be largely about. The storms that we face in life that can threaten our faith and resolve. In light of Wednesday's shooting, there's no reason to question why this can be. Many people have taken exception to the fact that the shooting occurred in a church, leaving people asking, if we aren't safe in churches, where are we safe? And apart from the fact that black churches, including Mother Emanuel, have long endured attacks and violence on them and their congregations from their inception, I think this question stems from and points back to the issue of fear. I understand it to be a plea, really. Is there nowhere that we are free from hatred and oppression? Is there no place left sacred and untouched by darkness? Must we be afraid even where love and forgiveness are practiced and preached? Have we lost sanctuary? Have we lost sanctuary? 
grappling with fear is no new challenge. In the passage from Mark, even the disciples were afraid and began to lose their faith. They find themselves caught on a storm on the Sea of Galilee, fearing for their lives. Now, they've been following Jesus around for a while now and have come to trust in and rely on his power. They've seen him perform miracles and tell these incredible parables about God's love. So when Jesus was finished preaching to the crowds on the shore that day and exhausted, tells the disciples to cross the sea, surely they thought nothing of their safety. They were experienced fishermen who had likely grown up on this sea, who were very familiar with this body of water and knew how to cross it well. They likely thought that their biggest challenge that awaited them was once what would happen on the other side of the sea. For it was Gentile territory, and the first time that Jesus was preaching his message to non-Jews. I imagine what frightened them upon beginning their journey was what potential dangers lay outside of the typical ministry they had witnessed thus far and grown accustomed to. Ministering to others who are different and often considered less than was probably on their minds more than the safe voyage was. And I find this to relate to our situation in the aftermath of Charleston. Black lives are too frequently considered and treated as less than in our society. But Jesus intentionally left the Jews behind in order to reach the other, demonstrating that Jesus' message of God's love is for everyone, not just those who are similar to us, but those who are different and often mistreated because they are different. As far as the physical voyage was concerned, the disciples probably thought it was going to be smooth sailing. But the Sea of Galilee is located in a valley, making high winds typical. And on this particular crossing, the disciples found themselves in a windstorm that threatened to sink their boat. They surmise that even though they are veterans of this water, this storm is just too much for them to handle. They are vulnerable to this storm. They are exposed and they are at its mercy. They are afraid that without a miracle, they will drown. So naturally, they look to Jesus, only to discover that he is sleeping. What? They must think he's asleep? How is that possible? This boat is surely going down and he's completely unaware? Waking him up, they practically accuse him, saying, do you not care? that we are perishing. I can't really blame them. Being vulnerable and exposed and afraid can leave anybody frantic to find the quickest solution out of those emotions. And when there isn't a quick fix or no way of understanding why we're being made to be afraid, it can be easy to turn to God in anger and in confusion. I think sometimes we forget how far God's love and care for us stretches. And we think that when we feel as though we are at the edge, that God must be at the edge with us. That God's love has reached a tipping point. We can think, God, I thought you loved me. I thought that your love was unconditional, and yet here I am, 
hurting and bare, raw and vulnerable, scorned and suffering. But how can that be? I'm at my edge, so I guess you must be at yours. The disciples in this story think that they're at their edge, and therefore God must be too. Their fear and their vulnerability has stripped them of their faith. They panic, and they cannot understand how God can be with them when they are in such danger. Instead of asking God for a guidance or a way forward through the storm, they rebuke Jesus. They say, in case you haven't noticed, there's a pretty bad storm out here, and it's killing us. Do you not care? Implying that God has his attention turned elsewhere and is unaware of their strife, as if God is not present with them in that tumult, in the boat. This thought led me to wonder about God's vulnerability and God's fear. If we are created in God's likeness, might God experience vulnerability as well? After all, I think the way in which we do religion in her name often defines the way that we understand her. I think imagining God as vulnerable, as, as being exposed or open like us, enables for that distance that can sometimes feel as if it's between us and God, for that to lessen. Knowing that God is sensitive to me is helpful to me. When I'm struggling, I know that I am not alone because not only is God there to support me, but God is also in the struggle with me. That in my moments of darkness or anguish, God is there, not simply to pull me out of the storm and to fix everything for me so I can have an easy passage, but to remain with me through every battering wave and every gust of wind that knocks me sideways. Peace, be still, is not simply a command to make things easy, but to calm anxieties and to how we can get through rough patches. Do you still have no faith? It's not an incredulous or judgmental statement, I don't think but rather a reminder that God's love is so immense that God is with us every moment of our journey. For me, at this point in time, that's all I really know how to do in response to Wednesday's, Wednesday's shootings. All I can do right now is mourn, is be vulnerable and grieve with the rest of the country. And to turn to God, not to take away the brokenness I feel or the call to action that I desire, but to be with me as I am in this storm. There's no easy fix for this. There's no easy way to get over the loss of life or to heal or to, for the breaking down and eradicating of racism that this country so desperately needs. But during times of great anguish, like the disciples in the storm, God is with us. Turning to God creates sanctuary when, we, when our physical world falters and we with it. When we're able to trust God and to live out our faith, treating all people equally, treating all lives as sacred, we create peace and stillness. And I think our true sanctuary lies within that knowledge. But the disciples prove that they still don't fully get it. 
Even after Jesus has been preaching about the parables and performing these miracles, he once again has to demonstrate to them who he truly is. He doesn't pray to God to calm the seas. He does it himself, proving his divinity. And yet, the disciples still don't have full faith. They still get tripped up by the ability to fully rely on God to get them through this storm. They give in to their fears, and even after Jesus calms the storm, they, say, they don't say, oh, that's right, we were silly for thinking that, that you couldn't do this, sorry, we'll do better. They don't even express confidence saying, that was amazing, we really chose the right guy to follow, didn't we? No, they say, who is this? Are you kidding me? This guy can control the weather too? Did you know he could do that? What in the world did we sign up for? They're afraid. I think our fears are derived from things that we can't understand, from actual storms like hurricanes and floods and tsunamis and tornadoes to metaphorical storms like tragedies that are caused by terrorist attacks, poverty, mass incarceration, racism, and acts of inexplicable violence. Those things cause real fear. They cause us to be vulnerable and exposed to question how our faith in a loving God can be consistent with so much hopelessness, damage, and despair. In moments like these, such as the South Carolina shootings, it can seem as if God is silent. That the storm is raging all around us. The waves are threatening to sink us. The wind knocking us off course. And where is God? Does he not care that we are perishing? Does he not care that black bodies are being killed, maimed, and tortured, treated as less than white bodies? I think we frequently fall into the camp of the disciples. It's easy to feel afraid and to sometimes feel that that is so pervasive that it's all we can think about. We become riddled and paralyzed, panicked and overwhelmed, just like the disciples in the storm. They couldn't understand how Jesus did what he did, and it made them afraid. I think it's important. Jesus doesn't say there is nothing to be afraid of. The words are not that there is nothing to fear. They are why. Are you afraid? There is much to be afraid of in this world, such as racism and violence and death and mistreatment of humans, the misunderstanding of mental illness, access to guns, the list could go on. But I think this story illustrates that the fearsome waves that crash into our lives and throw us off kilter, that they do not have the last say. Trusting that because we are at our edge, that God is not at her edge. And even more, that God is never apart from us when we are going through the turmoil of storms in our lives. Furthermore, I think this passage calls us to examine what it means to be in sanctuary. Like the first question I asked, why do we come to church? Surely safety and not being afraid is a very large reason. People don't stay in churches for long when they feel uncomfortable or unsafe. But does that mean that a sanctuary is always the safest place? Does it mean to be in sanctuary? What does it mean to be in sanctuary? To be in a safe and a sacred place. 
I understand this scripture passage to be inviting us to consider <coughs> what it is that we put our greatest comfort in. Because the ultimate and most important form of our safety and assurance that we can seek comes from our faith in God. <coughs> While physical safety is important, our fears and concerns do not get assuaged by the four walls in which we sit, nor do they get assuaged by the planks of wood that created the ship for the disciples. Our resilience and our confidence is rooted, is not rooted in earthly structures of protection, but in our faith. In our trust in God and in our perseverance to do what is right in this world. And doing right entails sometimes facing some withering storms. It can mean being vulnerable and apologetic in the face of the way we might have wronged others. It can mean having that loving conversation with a friend or a relative who still uses racial put-downs. It can mean that there are things to be afraid of and yet not be afraid. Because when we live out our faith, when we treat all God's children with equality, respect, care, love, and trust, that will always prevail over hatred and violence. And in doing so, we create a sanctuary. When we embody the words, peace, be still, and let them calm and right our hearts, we create a sanctuary that can never be disturbed. It's horrible that nine black lives were killed in a church. It's horrible that nine black lives were killed, period. By asking God to be with us in this storm, to let our faith guide us and treat all lives with the dignity and respect that they deserve, we can have sanctuary to create a safe and sacred place. When we are afraid, when we don't understand, when we are vulnerable, faith can be our sanctuary. Amen.